0: Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come
1: through, it's true magic, because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The legends are true. <laughs> Overboding power. The
0: sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of WICDONALD'S. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece WICD Nuggets, Fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at WICDONALD'S. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Welcome to episode 117 of the Highly Relevant Podcast, a U.S. Latino show where I interview the people and discuss the moments that are shaping our American and Latino pop culture. All right, guys, this week on the show, I have one of the most influential and talented Latinx voices in America, in Tania Saracho. She is the creator writer, and showrunner of the critically acclaimed show Vida on the Stars Network, which just premiered season two. If you haven't seen the show, it's the story of two American, Mexican-American sisters who returned to their childhood home in East LA only to discover that their departed mother was married to another woman. It's a bold, progressive show that pushes Latinx and LGBTQ culture front and center. The show has some deep layers that explores Amongst other things, gentrification, identity, family dysfunction, and what it's like to be gay in East LA. There aren't many shows like this on cable networks, so if you can, try and catch some episodes, maybe over the weekend when uh, you can. But before I talk to Tanya, it's time to give your weekly pop culture news recap in a segment I like to call "Jacked In." <laughs> Let's begin with the top movie news of the week. The first Rambo 5 trailer is out. Alfonso Cuaron is teaming with Guillermo del Toro to produce Warner Brothers' adaptation of Roald Dahl's novel, The Witches. Tom Cruise will be flying real jets for Top Gun Maverick. MGM plans Boy George biopic. Hillary Clinton plans to form Hollywood Production Company with Chelsea Clinton. And early tracking indicates Pixar's Toy Story 4 could be heading to a huge $150 million or more box office debut. In TV news, Maroons 5, Adam Levine, has left NBC's The Voice. Giancarlo Canella said to star in Netflix's new Latin comedy series The Expanding Universe of Ashley Garcia. Elena Anaya to star in TV remake of Action Feature Soldiers of Fortune. Lala Anthony joins the cast of the Beverly Hills 90210 reboot. And the Game of Thrones sequel begins filming this June. Switching over to music, Camila Cabello to work with Diplo. Guns N' Roses is working on a new album. Cardi B is spoiling for a fight with the media with a new single called Press. Katy Perry releases her new song and music video for Never Really Over. And Juan Luis Guerra has a new album titled Literal. And in tech and social media news, ESPN is betting more on Snapchat. Maluma announces biographical YouTube series. A new study suggests Twitter is making people dumb. Instagram influencer with over 2 million followers failed to sell 36 t-shirts. Did the influencer bubble burst? And Sports Illustrated has been sold for 110 million dollars.
1: What's wrong with you? My mother is dead. I am Eddie. Oh my fucking god. It's (sighs) Johnny. Because Eddie's good people and her wife just died. How long? Full-on married? Just two years. Listen to this. Vidalia has left us the building. We have to split it three ways. With the wife? Yep. We have to sell it.
0: Okay, so quick update. Season 3 of Vida just got picked up minutes ago as I'm recording this, but in my interview with Tanya, she was slightly stressing about why stars had not called her yet with a renewal offer. So knowing now what we didn't know then is going to make this interview a special one.
1: Good morning.
0: Hola, Tania, ¿cómo estás?
1: Hola, bien, aquí despertándome. Bueno, no es cierto, me desperté hace rato, pero como que mi cuerpo (laughs) mi cuerpo y todo no se ha despertado todavía muy
0: bien. ¿A dónde estás? En Los Ángeles, Chicago, New York.
1: En Los Ángeles, en Los Ángeles,
0: Okay, so let's begin from the very beginning. Where did the idea for Vida come from?
1: It came from stars they pitched it to me. Well, they they brought me in for a meeting. Uh, They wanted me to uh, write, they asked me if I could write a show about gentrification, which is the gentrification of a Latinx theme, a Latinx space. I had
0: never heard of that term, by the way.
1: You know what? Before this meeting, I hadn't either. They wanted a (laughs) show about hipsters, Chicano hipsters. I'd heard of that term. But when they said gentrification, I was like, wait, 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 let's unpack that. And the actual meeting that we had, that, that I had with this uh, stars executive that's no longer there, Marta Fernandez, it was everything. Because that discussion, basically, I, you know, that's what, after that discussion, I said, oh, my God, that's a show. That's a show. Because, right. like, uh, you know, I, I didn't have a story or anything, but it was like the notion of that, of, of, uh, of another Latinx, you know, uh, affecting a, a neighborhood that way. Um, and then also they wanted, they said, you know, we want a millennial, female, East L.A., chipsters, gentrification, those five things. Can you do it? And Because you never say no to work. I was like, yeah, <laughs> sure. We've really been in Hollywood three years. You know, I, I didn't I didn't really know anything. But, you know, just say yes to work. So, I you know, I went back for a few months um, to, like, create a story and craft the world and uh, and then this is what I came up with, you know. These two sisters in vida are the embodiment of gentrification.
0: I wanted to kind of really tap into your mindset coming into this show. Um, I know you had done. Um, uh, you were a playwright. Um, you yeah. lived in Chicago. You were creating Latin X stories, um, but there was also I've read a lot about you at some point feeling anxieties about writing a show like this uh you had talked about the imposter syndrome and how that kind of took hold of you for a while how were you able to write this show and at the same time break through and pierce through all the negatives uh of such a great opportunity for you and such pressure to deliver not only for them but for yourself
1: Well, I still, I have that immigrant, like, we must work attitude. Right, (laughs) the Gucci Frito complex. But then the imposter complex is, um, that I haven't shaken. So I'm still still sitting with it, you know. And I started season two actually feeling that, like, can I do it again? Maybe I can't do it again. So a lot of these obstacles were my own in my own head. And I'm I'm open about them because I feel like they're um, not uncommon for people that are high-functioning. Um, because I'm a high functioning person, but right. um, highly functioning person, but I still I have daily anxiety. You know, I how do you break through that,
0: Tanya? How do you break I through? Don't that?
1: Break, I don't I, break. I just swim in the muck of it. I know that that's not a very helpful thing, but like in while I'm creating, I'm swimming. I'm swimming in the doubt, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm also I, obviously there's something in me that knows that I also can do it. So it's like mm. this navigation of these. Um, of these two forces constantly right now I just took my cbd pill <laughs> like, <laughs> that that it's uh it doesn't have THC. it's just cbd but i've been on all this stuff because i just the have you know me and my sister we're just highly anxious people but like I, I i we still get through it you know um but that doesn't mean that you know especially now that we're like promoting the show so much um I feel, I, all the feelings of deserving and all that stuff. Like, oh, I can't, why do I get to be here and not another, like I need to just shut that Tanya down a lot. Right. Um, I don't know how to get over it. I, I, I hope I do because it's too much. It's double the work, you know? And it um, doesn't
0: interfere with your projects, like for example, La Bruja and other projects that you're also working on?
1: I mean, it's always part of that process, you know? Um, because the fight that I have with that, doubtful Tanya is it's that other Tanya that's like fuck you I'm a chingona (laughs) you know so it um so that is what carries me through it's so it's such a weird thing to always be having that in your head um I hope it goes away because this is not sustainable you know no I know but um it's not but also it keeps me humble like I nunca me lo creo like I never believe like uh oh you're great you've made it nope Nope, uh, they're gonna kick me out of here. I can feel it. They're gonna kick me out of this town. (laughs) That is so funny.
0: How long did it take for you to write the pilot episode?
1: Well, um, I was recovering from uh, two really bad surgeries and couldn't walk for six months.
0: Was it the spinal infection?
1: Uh, Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. It was a a, a scary one. And like Frida Kahlo in my bed, I I wrote (laughs) it. It, it. It took almost a whole... I think I had a pitch meeting two days before I had to go emergency surgery. Um, so, it, and then it, it, I healed. And then I walked into my first meeting back at stars with my cane. That's crazy. So I think that's, yeah, it was crazy. And they didn't, cause you know, we had a lot of meetings on the phone and I just like pretended like everything was fine. Like, yeah, yeah, the surgery was fine. Yeah, thanks. You know, like it's fine. But I couldn't walk. I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. Like it was crazy. But by the time I get, I went back to stars. It was like with a cane, and I just looked like an OG pimp. You know, like was funny. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. But but it but it was it was funny because I I wrote that in bed. I wrote it like especially with with one hand because um on the other hand I had like a tube, a catheter up my uh, arm to my heart. Cow. So Like I couldn't really. Yeah, it was really it was real. I did not. I was like, am I gonna make it out of this? Because like my surgeon showed up at my house on a Saturday. He was that worried. Wow. My surgeon came to my house because the 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 infection wouldn't go away, and all throughout that I was writing the be that you know. So when we shot that um, scene, because I remember how much I struggled with, uh, to write not not the content, but physically to like write type because they had to like prop me, and it was this whole thing. And when I uh, was writing that last scene with the, the Selena song and the two sisters watching themselves as kids. And then we shot it when we actually shot it. Mm -hmm. I had a little breakdown because I was like, oh, my God. Because this had more meaning than just, oh, we're getting to shoot what I wrote. Of course. I was dying. I was dying when we wrote this. When I wrote this, I mean. um, And now I get to see it come alive. I had a breakdown. I was like, I can't. I gotta gotta get up. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I gotta cry a little bit. Because I could have been dead right now.
0: Oh, man.
1: um, This this show means everything to me,
0: you know. you said before that. That there's 520 shows out right now, and you can count on one yeah. hand how many Latinx shows that there are. Uh, yeah. Just today, uh, Igle- Mr. Iglesias' trailer just came out on Netflix, Ooh, nice. which is which is great because that's another Latinx show that uh, that's fronted by yes. a Latino, uh, which is fantastic. But you've called that that the fact that there's so little shows out there right now is a form of erasure. And it was interesting because it reminded me of John Legazamo, who also spoke about this in his Broadway play, Latin History for Morons, that the history books were slowly erasing our own history and our own contributions to American society as well. Um, why aren't we on red alert on this? Why isn't this a political and social crisis?
1: I don't know, I know that it is a common feeling. But I don't know why we're not in, up in arms about it, you know? Maybe, and it's not complacency, I won't be that insulting to us. We have been our identity has been beaten down so much. And now I realize that there's not one identity of Latinidad. There are twenty-seven countries that make up the Latin diaspora. So to say our identity is you know reductive. There's more than that. But but just to get under the umbrella of Latinidad, we for so long, we've never been in like 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 that solo says, we've never been in the history books correctly. We've never our, our contributions have never been acknowledged. Uh, right now in history, we like right now in this moment that is happening, we are so devalued as human beings.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We're being put in cages. You know, I mean, like it, people who are citizens and don't have the same problem. We're still, but you know, by our brothers being put in cages, our brothers, be, you know, and our sisters being put in cages, kids being put in cages. So I don't like. It, it, somehow we, our children don't have the same value as the dominant culture children. I don't know why our women don't are not valued the same i i don't i don't understand i mean i guess an academic could tell you well that's been systemic and that's been the plan you know to just like because with with erasure comes devaluing so on the macro in this country we we suffer from that malady and in the media we suffer from that malady too so of course in entertainment that's how much we're going to count right now i have to tell you um one of the things that's one of the little Tanya doubtful voices, the Mm -hmm. little devil that I have in my shoulder is that I don't know why we don't have a third season yet Um, with these amazing reviews with, um, you know, like people's reaction. I don't know why I haven't gotten the call, you know, Hey, you get to do it again. I don't know. And you know, we delivered an excellent season of television, I think. Um, But yet it doesn't right now. I'm, I hope I, I'm not going to suffer the way of one day at a time that delivered excellence, 100% Rotten Tomatoes, but it wasn't enough, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, it just seems like no know. matter what we do, it's not enough except yeah. miracles. And you know, there's 58 million Hispanics living in this country, close to 20% and of the population. Yeah. So how do you create a show that will satisfy dominant culture, the gatekeepers, but then how do you create and specifically hone in on what that Latin ex person wants in his content or in her content?
1: I, I I have no idea. I'm not a business person. That's why they have those think tanks to figure out. I just know that for my show, I stay true to the characters, true to their lives, meaning true to our lives, the people who wrote it, meaning the, the writer's room. Um, which is comprised of all Latinx. So as long as we t- stay true to that, there's no way to please all masters, you know, and there's no place to please all I, because um, for so long, we haven't had those narratives. Like, it hasn't been the Puerto Rican narrative. it hasn't been the Argentine narrative, the Colombian narrative, Colombian-American, you know, narrative. So sometimes our people are looking for that specificity because we we're thirsty for it. So we police each other, like some, you know, with one day at a time, they were like, well, where's the Mexican version of this, of the show? Where's mm-hmm. the Puerto Rican, which I can't, I can't fault us. We are thirsty for it. We are hungry, you know, but, and, and I, and I can't, I, cause I don't, I'm not in the think tank and I don't think in that, in that way. The only thing I can concentrate on is putting out a good story. Mm. Now I use the elements that you described. My my girls and my show um, are Americans. They they are hyphenated Americans. They're Mexican Americans, but they're hyphenated. You know they're Americans. Um, so I'm putting out a show about American millennial girls. Um, so hopefully that that will resonate with that will resonate, and not just not just like not just with people of color, not just with queer people. It would resonate with that demographic somehow. You know. Right. Also, it's a show about family. It's a show, and it stays true to family. It's a show about loss, coming home. Hopefully, because right now, yes, we want to say, "Oh, these are niche shows," you know. Um, I I don't think Vida is niche, but um, I, you know, I'm not a viewer. Right. I would watch <laughs> Vida, but also I watch um all sorts of shows. Right now, I'm really into these Irish RTE. That's their like channel, you know, their BBC. Um shows. Like I'm, I'm super into like this Irish. Why can't I like reach out to another culture and consume it, you know, and, and get steeped in it. But like ours, is it cause the, the language, you know, like, is it the accent? Like, I don't know. Um, it, it, I don't have an answer, but I know that for me, I just concentrate on the truth of the characters. Cause I feel like that will hopefully, um, break through.
0: How, how do you deal with rejection, criticism, Resistance, I cry. And ignorance. <laughs>
1: uh, I mean, it, right now I'm like uh, preparing for for that <laughs> rejection. Um, I do cry a lot. I take my CBD. I um, I talk to my witches, my brujas. That's mm-hmm. real. I really mm-hmm. do talk to my brujas. What they do they tell you today? What do they tell you? Well, dif- different things. Me hacen limpias. Like today, I'm getting my chakras aligned.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: because just to sort myself out and then um hopefully I can ask some questions like, Will we be okay? Will will we be fine? You know? It's when they tell me when they read the cards and they tell me basically you'll live another week, that's fine. That's like <laughs> <much of life. laughs> I wanna know? Fantastic. Thank you. I, no, hey, there was a time in twenty sixteen when I was recovering from my back stuff that that matter like you you'll be alive was the biggest headline I got, right. you know. Um Um, I don't go to therapy, but I go to witches. I know that that's a weird thing, but that's how I've been able to work it out. Um, this is part of this industry, right? Mm -hmm. The rejection, the no's, the disses, the disrespect, um, along with other great things like, look, I get to, I get to tell my story. That's, I mean, I get to tell this story. That's, that's amazing. That's a privilege. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm learning to deal with it. Um. Because I was also in the theater before, and right. that has those elements there too. So I feel like it's a process. I feel I feel really bad for actors that, like, you know, uh, most of my friends are actors here. Most of my friends are Latinx actors, and they have to deal with that daily. Like, at least me, I have to deal with that, like, uh, not as often, but, like, uh, you know. Actors have to be like told you're not Latinx enough. You're too Latinx. Your accent's not good enough. Your accents too, you know, are punctuated. Like they, they constantly get told um, that they're not enough or too much of something, and that that feels really. I, I I feel for actors.
0: You know, you're one of the biggest advocates for Latinx representation that we have, and you know, it feels like if you can't make it, then 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 oh, <laughs> what no. does that mean for all of us no, that are trying to make no, it right? No. So we, we we are rooting for you because rooting for you means rooting for us all at the same time. How do you deal with the burden and the pressure of being such an important figure in our community and society right now?
1: First of all, people can do—I feel like, this, especially this generation, um, that next under me, I think they're going to do it. They're going to be able to like break through um, dominant culture in a way that like, maybe Gloria uh, Calderon and I are sort of like— opening those doors, you know? Um, but so I, I do, I do think people will be able to do it, but, um, I, you know, second season when we started second season after that first season had gone so well with critics, you know, um, and with, you know, whoever did watch it, um, I was like, Oh my God, because the, pr- the pressure wasn't so much like tell keep telling a good story the conversation was like, I've never seen myself represented. You have mm-hmm. to keep doing it and you have to do it well and you have to do it right. And I feel like I owed it, especially to the, my concentric communities that I, you know, I belong to the, the queer community, the Latinx community, the females, you know, um, it, it was like, I have to keep doing, you know, female gays, right. I have to keep doing, you know, the queer gays, right. And the Brown gays, right. Like, but like I became, I, I for a couple of months, I it really crushed me that the pressure of that, um, pressure that I accepted, you know, mm. cause I, I understand. Cause I, I didn't have a show like that growing up. I, I never saw us like that. So, um, I get it. So I, I accept the pressure, but also I was like, I can't let us down. Um, I've relaxed only just a little bit into it, you know? Um, but it, but it, I, <laughs> cause I talk to, and I keep talking about my friend friends, I, we talk every day. We Marco Polo. I don't know mm-hmm. if you have that app. Um, and we're, you know, we we have like parallel careers in a, in a way. Like, um, you know, her show went through, you know. Yeah, it she's kind of going through I'm that going right through now. My, yeah, she, no one better than to counsel me, you know, um, and also to, to just be in sisterhood with me. Also, there's not a lot of us, right? <laughs> to be like, to have to carry the burden of culture, you know, and gender and right. make a good show. Um, And and be willing to represent, because there are, you know, I do have other um, showrunner friends that are Latinx that are, they're like, uh, unburdened by that pressure, and I support them, I get it, you know, they're like, we're gonna make our great shows, but we don't need them to be about Latinidad, don't want to represent Latinidad, you know, fine. Um, But I do feel like we need to, (laughs) the movement needs us in a little bit, you know, in a way, like, to. um, and we say it all the time, like, so that Marvin Lemus and Linda Chavez who are crafting tentified right now don't have to you know put up with some of the things we had to put up with we will put up with them do you know what I mean like right. I feel like we the the, the the we're looking at the future we're look, looking back at the future and we're like it looks really bright you know with these like amazing artist. I sound like an old hag. I'm not, it's not old, <laughs> but it's like, it, but it now, it feels like Hollywood age. It's so old.
0: How do you know so much about Latinx? Because you speak from a point almost like you almost created it and you understand the movement so well that you seem perfectly uh, set as a leader of the Latin X movement in this country.
1: I don't, well, I don't know about that. I'm just living my Latinx life here. So, like, I don't think that makes me an expert, but I'm it, it makes me steeped in it, you know, um, it makes me understand it. Um, uh, our otherness. So, so, but it, I, I would call myself an expert, like a proper academic expert who knows stuff about it. I, I'm just living my life as, as that, as that otherized person in this country. So, um, I feel like that you get, you get to understand that stuff in the flesh because you, you understand it in practice, you know, when I first right. got to, um, to TV land to Hollywood that first experience in the writer's room was really, um, harrowing and horrible. And I real, I understand, I understood my otherness right away. Uh, we had a room that had allowed for the kind of joke that ended up calling, um, Gloria and me spick and span.
0: No, you know,
1: um, yes, they, um, yes, that was the joke in the room led by the top, you know, Um, and it, uh, I, I was like, okay, so that's what I am here. Yeah. This is only 2013, you know? Um, and, uh, also anytime I would speak out for like, uh, defense and defense of like our identity in the show, um, I, I, I became a bore, you know, like, oh my God, here comes i again saying we can't say that about Latinas. So I, cause the other day, you know how you're in your, um, in your Facebook, your memories pop up. Yeah. Like, well, you were doing on this day on the, on, you know, um, twenty third in 2013. And, um, I guess, I guess the boss had said, um, made a joke to, to put a, a label on me, like a label and write Latino police. So like wow. I'm the Latino police, but like, but that's hazing. You know what I mean? Oh, um, it's
0: bullying. All it's that abusive. Stuff.
1: Yeah. And, and, but that was that whole first year. And I was like, huh. And, I feel, well, I mean, now I know I had to put up with that so I could have this, so I could have Vida, but that's shitty. It's like extra, it's extra effort and energy you have to put into this other thing that is not the writing, you know? Right. It's the being brown in a room or being female or being Latinx or being immigrant or whatever other eyes, you know? Do
0: you feel things are changing?
1: I think it's too early to tell. It feels like a shift is happening, but I don't know if it's going to stick or if it's just going to settle back because... It feels like we make we make a step and then we take the step right back, you know, um, in, in every way. Now, there are, like, you know, Queen of the South has an all Latinx writers room. Yeah.
0: Too,
1: uh, has two uh, Latinx um, showrunners, um, it, you know, Centified is, is, is coming. I'm not sure what the makeup of the room is, but they, I think it was mostly Latinx. Like, that, in that regard, I feel like there's some movement. I don't know if we'll all last you know, just, like, one day at a time, like, it went, like, because it's, like, this support that needs to happen, um, that, like, dominant culture shows get that we don't even, we're not even aware of, you know, um, like, this, like, passes, we don't get the pass, we don't get to pass, we have to be excellent, and Gloria and I talk about it all the time, we have to be, like, absolutely excellent, and even then, that's not enough, you know, um, So I don't, I don't know. I know that things are shifting. I know that people are aware and you can shame people for not being inclusive, but I don't know if uh, a lot of that uh, inclusivity is um, organic yet or for show cosmetic, you know? So who, I don't know. I know that um, there's a feeling from a lot of writers and the dominant culture creators that um, we're coming because I've, I've been in those conversations. Unashamed, unashamed um, allies and friends telling me that people of color, writers of color, are coming to take the jobs of basically white men. You know, right? This is a and they're freaking convers- out multiple and they're freaking out. And I say, let me I'm like let me send you an Annenberg uh, study, so to, just to show you that the numbers do not reflect your feelings, <laughs> like because the feelings, you know, it's, it's something like. How is it, Ninety three, ninety five, something percent of the showrunners, um, in uh, of the TV shows are white. You know, yeah, um, you're
0: like a museum piece. You and Gloria.
1: Yeah, and 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 you know, but but so so that five or seven percent of, of the showrunners of color we share with all other uh, POCs. You know, so like it's not it's not just Latinx five percent. It's uh, all you know, of African American, Asian, all of us. Yeah, mm-hmm. all of. So, um, so, uh, so when they have this feeling that we're here coming to do, you know, get their jobs and their life, is it, the feeling is actually, uh, unfounded and here are the numbers, you know? Um, it, but it, but it's funny. It's, it's, a, a it's, it's just like when you've always blamed the other or the immigrants or whoever's coming in, you know, that, that when you, when you start to lose footing, you know, you have to blame, um, the new, the newcomers. Right. Um, so it. I don't know. So that's a long answer for that. Like, are things changing? I, I feel a shift. I feel an awareness. And I feel like in some um, instances, things are being done about it, but then they get taken right back. And so I, I I, feel like it's um a little too early to tell.
0: I know you're writing and developing Brujas as we speak, but yes. are you interested in writing for film anytime soon?
1: Yes. And I've gotten a couple um like, of, Offers to do it, and I, I just, I'm so myopic. Like I, like I, I described earlier. I put my head down and I work on whatever's in front. Like so, vida is my vida, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and now br- brujas, <laughs> but like I'm not um, like one of those super producers that can um, multitask, supervise a bunch right. of things. Um, I write every, I, I choose every costume. I um, uh, approve every location. Like I, I sit there in every frame of the thing I've helped edit, you know, so I, I need to do it better. I need to supervise better and delegate, but right now I don't. So, um, so I have said no to those things because, um, right now, but I, I, I think so. And you know what I've discovered the season two is that I like directing.
0: Really? Directing was fun. What, yes, what, uh, so what, directing, what, what, what did you get directed, out of that?
1: Uh, I directed the finale of, of, of season two. And, um, it was, first of all, I'm not organized in my real life. Like, my whole life is always falling apart. But when it comes to, like, work stuff, especially this this episode that I directed, I was so, like, organized about what we needed to do. <laughs> and it felt really, like, not... It, it felt really comfortable, yet not like me. You know, like, I like this place. You know, I also had a DP that was... That, that's a Virgo. So she's super organized. So we, like, got every shot we ever needed. And we got five... We got a ton of coverage of it, you know? So, like, when I was in the editing room, I I had had everything i needed you know so that the technical aspect was fun to learn and then also just to get to helm the the eyes you know and to like direct the gaze that was really fulfilling and you know because i wrote it and i directed it and i'm like i think i want to do this in film form. i really i do i think i want to direct my own film or something um just to start off with and see if i I can do it.
0: Do you think Vida has the ability to be adapted to a film?
1: No, it's its own story and it, I think it's this, but I have others, I have a ton of other stories um, in me. So um, I actually, if I have the time, I know what, what two films I would write.
0: And then finally, I wanted to ask you about mentorship. Have you had mentors in your life and how are you mentoring the new generation of Latin Xers coming into the business?
1: When I was in the theater, I had um, I I don't know if he would consider himself my mentor, but I I always consider him my mentor, and he's who I turned to um, for guidance. Uh, Luis Alfaro, yeah, uh, who's like an OG te- teatrista. Um, but in in TV, when I got here, uh, no, I didn't have. I, I was going blind. Now, when I got when uh, you know when I first started work in my first show, which was about latinas and i was the only latina there it wasn't ins- i didn't i didn't understand that it was like i'm the only voice here that's latina but then they added um gloria and then i got a sister and it's not that she's a mentor but she's like a, she brings this like uh the power of sisterhood for mm-hmm. me and and then i've leaned on that a lot also another great friend that um I worked with Roberto who does Riverdale. Oh my God. Sabrina. Yeah. He just got like yeah. a eight
0: figure deal, yeah. I think for Warner brothers or something along those lines. Uh Nicaraguense, of course.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's Nikas. It's Nikas. Yeah. He's amazing. And he, we worked on looking together and he truly also like a brother, not like a mentor, sort of like, was like, look, this is how I do it. Do, you should do this, you know? Um, and so those two were, just so important to me but i wouldn't call them mentors i i just like son como mis hermanos no so um i i i i lean on them a lot especially like is this contract what i should be doing should i be doing you know like it's Mm. like it's that kind of thing but i i roberto's brilliant you know both those people are brilliant and but also they're latinx and they know and they've um they sort of pick their lane and be like this is my i'm staking my my claim here and this is my flag. And I, I, you know, I really appreciate um, their excellence and, 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 um, and their guidance, but mentors know So the way that I'm a mentor, like um, it has to happen really organically. I won't do, because I used to back in, when I was in my theater days do those mentoring programs and stuff. And, and then became like, I, if I'm really going to be of help, we, it's kind of like a love story. You both have to find each other and it has to be the right chemistry and, and, um, Cause I commit to a mentee, you know?
0: But I think mentorship, I think mentorship is also through example, correct?
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. But, it, but it's support, you know, that, that's also like a, a mentor can also like, impulsar, you know, te impulsar, push you a little bit, mm-hmm. um, uh, and, and help open a door for you sometimes and, and help you push, push you through. Um, right now, a lot of my writers, um, I'm, I'm really committed to them being showrunners. So like, um. Whatever transparency, whatever support, whatever I can uh, give to um, a few of these um, writers, I, I I will, because we need more, you know.
0: We need clones of you <laughs> everywhere, <laughs> uh, because you're a great representative of our, of our community, and I just wish you nothing but success and luck oh, and health and love.
1: Thank you. Gracias a ti. Un abrazo. Bye.
0: And before I head out, here are three Latin tracks you might want to add to your playlist this weekend. Hot Couture, Rosalía.
1: Vamos
0: a bailar. Playa Grande, Sophie Tucker and Bomba Step. <muchas> El telón, Jenny and the Mexican and Betusta Marla. That's it for episode 117 of the Highly Relevant podcast. I want to thank Daniel Saracho for coming on the show. And if you like to support the show, please spread the love on social media and tell all your friends about it. You can reach me on Instagram at jackrico and my Facebook page at jackrico40. Remember, it's only through your support that our show can grow. I'm Jack Rico. See you next week on another episode of Highly Relevant.